Today, on Commitment to Truth. David was not perfect. David committed mistakes. David committed sin. But David always repented and did not repeat the same sin. That's why he was a man after God's heart. That's why he calls us to be men and women after his heart. Welcome to Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Each week, Pastor Cedric Brown and the pastoral team at Commitment Church strive to draw you into a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This week, we continue our sermon series called Heroes. We'll learn from the biblical heroes of the past found in Hebrews 11 and by faith to encourage you to become today's heroes of the faith. Here's Pastor Jose Torres, teaching pastor at Commitment Church, with today's message. If you could turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to be reading verse 32 to 34. And the Word of God says this, And what more shall I say? For the time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. That's what a hero of faith does through the power of God can accomplish. Today, who was David, you may ask? I know you guys all know King David. He was one of the famous kings of Israel. But who truly was David? Let's talk a little bit about David. David was the youngest of Jesse's son. He was the youngest. And because he was the youngest, he got tasked with taking care of the sheep in the fields. So he was the shepherd of sheep. There came a time when David was chosen by God to be the successor to Saul as the next king, the second king of Israel. David was not only a young man that kept the sheep, but he was gifted in many things. He, he was a musician. He played the harp very well. Not only did he play the harp, he was a poet. He wrote a lot of poetry. And you can clearly see that in the Psalms. He's wrote, written many of the Psalms. And when you read them, it's just the way it flows. It's soothing to, to the ears and to the heart. It quenches your needs to, to, to be in the presence of God. How he says uh, at times, oh my God. He calls out that name. And he recognizes the power of God, that he is his servant, that without God he cannot do anything. Uses the words very elegantly to express 
his deepest feelings for God. David was a man after God's heart, the Bible says. But it doesn't mean that he was perfect, that he was not of sin. We'll speak on that a little later. But we want you to understand that David had a special relationship with God. I can imagine him in the fields with the sheep, maybe a couple other guys spread out in the field, making sure the sheep don't get tampered with, that the bears and the lions don't attack it, that, you know, they're taking care of the sheep. Being out there in the wilderness, in the openness, with nothing else you can hear. This morning when we came in, and after worship practice, and we had our huddle, there was a peace. No one was speaking, but there was a peace and you felt the presence of God. I can imagine that David, every time he was in the field, he felt the presence of God. And that he called out to God. And that he played his harp to God. And that he got ideas in his head about words that he should put to paper about the wonders of God. He had a special relationship with God. David In 1 Samuel 16, clearly says that he was the youngest of all Jesse's sons. And there came a time where God instructed his prophet to go and to anoint the next king of Israel. So Samuel took the horn of oil, and set out on this mission. And God instructed him to go to Jesse. And when he got to Jesse's house, he said, "Uh, Jesse, I'm here to anoint one of your sons as king. Bring him forth, and I will look at him, and I will tell you which one will be anointed. Since Jesse was, you know, a very proud father, his sons called his oldest son, Is my oldest. And he walked into the room. He commanded the room. He was a big guy, handsome guy, very elegant. Walks in. Samuel saw him and said, wow, he's the king. This is the guy that God sent me to anoint. God told him, he's not the one. Huh? He's not the one. Okay, God. Got more sons? Yeah. For the second son, second oldest. He comes in. He's just as elegant, just as strong, a little younger. You know, I'm the guy. God said, no, not him either. He went through all the sons as they walked in. And Samuel, every time that he saw the next one come in, he was better than the one previously before him. He said, this has got to be the guy. He got to the Seven son, and God said, no, not none of them. Samuel asks Jesse in Samuel 16, 11 says, and Samuel said to Jesse, are these all your children? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. And behold, 
He is tending the sheep. Then Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So the youngest, it's usually the, the one that has all, he has got to do all the tasks because dad tells the oldest, you got to get this accomplished. Well, I'm not doing it. I'm the oldest. They got to respect me, so I'm sending the other guy. So the youngest always gets to do the job that nobody wants to do. That was tending the sheep. So they called for, for David to come from the field, and David's running, probably running to, what's that his dad want me to do? He gets there, and he's in the presence of Samuel. And in verse 12 and 13 of chapter 16, it says this. So he sent and, and brought him in. And now he was ruby and with beautiful eyes and handsome appearance. So it was a good-looking kid. So Jesse had a bunch of good-looking young men. And now the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. So sometimes, sometimes we are looking with these eyes that God has given us. And we see someone come to the church and, and he speaks very elegantly and he says big words and, uh, uh, you know, uh, I was a CEO of some corporation and I've been ministering for a hundred years. And, you know, he has all this elegancy about him. And you're looking at him and you like, wow, this guy's a man of God. That's a, that's a guy I'm going to follow. And God says, no, he's not the one. Why? Because God doesn't look at the outer appearance of a man, doesn't look at what the man is elegantly speaking or where he came from or what he was doing prior to that or where in the lineage is he the firstborn or the lastborn. He doesn't look at that. What he looks at is the man's heart. And that's what he looked at in David. He looked at David's heart. The, the outside was good, but is the inside good? So that's one thing that we need to learn that we need to understand that is our inside as good as our outside, outer appearance? Is what we're projecting on the outside on a daily basis the same things that when I'm in my secret place is being projected from my heart? The heart is what God looks at, not the outer appearance. David was a musician. We can find that in um, chapter 16, verses 14 to 23. It says that, the reason why God sent Samuel to anoint the next king was that Saul, the first king, had lost favor with God because he was doing his own thing. He thought he was, he was the man. He, I'm the king. It's because of my power. It's because of what I do that this kingdom is flourishing. And he forgot about God. So God permitted to allow a spirit, evil spirit to come upon Saul at times to torment him, to cause him grief, to cause him headaches. And it says when he, 
that the spirit was over him, he was really an angry person, treated people with disrespect. And his servants were like, oh, wow, I don't want to serve him. He, you know, he's, he's, that evil spirit is upon him. We need to do something about this. And one of the uh, young men that served him says, you know, maybe if we get a musician yeah, that can play good music, it will soothe his soul and, and calm him down. And then, you know, he would, he would be at peace and would treat us better. So they suggested it to Saul. And Saul said, well, then get me that person. And one of the young men is remembered, was reminded by the Holy Spirit that at one time he was in the presence of, of a son of Jesse named David who played the harp. And that harp was so soothing and peaceful that made him feel at peace. He says, well, there's a son of Jesse that you might want to get. He's a good player of the harp. And when he ministers, it, it, it's just peaceful brings peace and comfort. So Saul sends for uh, word to Jesse to send David. David comes and David plays the heart for him when the evil spirit came and he felt at peace. God used David's giftedness to soothe that evil spirit. Just like when the worship team is up here. I don't know about you, but this morning we were I was sitting right there by myself before anybody else came. And they were rehearsing. They were preparing the, the music for the service, going over the lyrics, playing the music. And I closed my eyes and I had my own service. I was in the presence of God because I heard that peaceful melody coming from them. The words were ministering to me, encouraging me. And I had service by myself. I can imagine that's the same spirit that came upon Saul when David played the songs. God uses you in different ways and he can provide peace and comfort to you through the melodies that are sung by the worship team or any other person that sings. Thank you for joining us for today's message from Commitment to Truth. We'll continue with the second part of the message right after this. Hello, my name is Norberto Colon Jr. and I'm a ministry leader for the worship ministry at Commitment Church, a place for all nations. I would like to personally invite you to come to one of our events this month. For the latest events, you can visit commitmentchurch.org events. And if you and your family are looking for a church, we're here on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Thank you again for joining us for today's message from Commitment to Truth. We now return for the second half of our message. So I'm going to move into the first point that I want to address with you. What makes us so much like, da like David? Point one, David was a strong, passionate had a strong passion, love for God. How do we know this? Because in Acts 13, verse 22, it says, After he had removed him, Saul, he raised up David to be the, their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart. 
who will do my will. So here we see that God saw David's heart, not his outer appearance. That his heart was aligned with God and that he was willing to do the will of God whenever God called him. As Christians, as followers of Christ, when we made that commitment to serve God, that strong passion should have entered into our heart. That love for God should be reflected on a daily basis. That you want to do more for God. But in order to do that, you have to reflect some characteristics that David had. David was humble, not proud, submissive. He had reverence. It's a gesture of respect. He had reverence for God. Respectful, showing respect to God, knowing his place. Trusting. Assurance, assured reliance or placing confidence in one or someone. So he trusted God in everything he did. If it was taking care of the sheep, if it was speaking to someone, he trusted God to lead him. Loving, to show attachment, devotion, or admiration to someone. To, to be dedicated to that person. David loved God. Devoted, to be loyal and acted an act of dedication. So he was dedicated to God. He was devoted to God. He did everything for God with all his strength, recognition, acknowledgement, a thing given or done in recognition of something received. So because God loved him first, he loved God back. Not only did he love God, he loved God so much that he shared with other God's love. God's purpose, God's will. He wanted to help others. Faithfulness, firm in assurance to promises and observation of duty. He was loyal. He was, he, he diligently did the will of God. Whatever he promised to do, he completed it. He was obedient, willing to obey Whenever God told him to do something, he would do it. Repentant. Experiencing repent to return from sin. And uh, dedicated oneself to amending of one's life. David was not perfect. David committed mistakes. David committed sin. But David always repented. And did not repeat the same sin again and again. That's why he was a man after God's heart. That's why he calls us to be men and women after his heart. Being humble. Having reverence for him. Respecting others. Trusting him in everything. Loving him with all we have. Devoted to him in everything that we do. Recognizing him for all that he does for us. 
being faithful in our word, being obedient to him. And when sin hits us, we are not to stay down. We are to repent and get up and shake it off. We must be strong. That means to be marked with great power. We must have passion. We must be passionate for God. That means to be intensely driven and being convicted with him. Football season just started, right? I saw that other team that you guys cheer for, the Eagles. <laughs> Not my team. <laughs> but the Eagles, they were out there. And one thing I saw was the fans, those that cheer for them. There's a passion for that team. They love that team. They scream at the stadium when the players are throwing the ball or running the ball. When somebody tackles somebody, wow, that's a new guy, Carter. Oh, hey, we're going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Passion. A lot of passion. That's what God wants from us here. He wants passion. He wants to hear you yell, scream, hallelujah, glory to God, praise the Lord. We shouldn't be afraid of expressing our passion, our love for God. You know why? Because someone may walk through that door that's feeling down and depressed, but he sees you, hey, glory to God, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Hey, what he had, I want what he had. <laughs> There's some juice or water that he drank, nah. That's the blood of Jesus Christ. That opens the door to expressing your gratitude for God so that you can share that same love, that passion that you have for God, for that person to understand that he doesn't have to be where he's at, that there's something else better. And that's Jesus Christ. In life. David was that guy. It says David used to dance in the streets, take off his clothes and praise. He didn't care who was looking at him. He did. They care. Because his passion was to serve God and serve God only. Talk about me if you want. You might say I'm crazy. But guess what? I'm crazy for Jesus. I'm crazy for God. I'm going to praise his name. Point two. David stepped up in challenging situations. You're like... David stepped up in challenging situations. Huh? Okay. Talk, talk to me about that, Pastor. It says that while caring for his uh, father's sheep, there used to be lions and bears that came to attack. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 34 to 36, uh, Sarah might have put them up there already for you to read. But let me tell you the story. This is when David was um, being... Asked by Saul when he says, I volunteer to go fight Goliath. Um, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. He expressed, well, what's your background? How, how, what makes you so valiant that you could, oh, uh, when, the, when the lions and the bears used to come and grab my sheep and, and take them through their mouths, I would run out, confront that bear and that lion, 
ground by the beard, he said, or ground by the hair uh, of their chin. And I would bring back my sheep. And if he rose up against me to attack me, I would fight him. And I would defeat him. Why was David so valiant and courageous? If it was me, I'm like, <laughs> Dad, um, yeah, the bear ate your sheep. You know, the little one, not, not the big one. He took the little one. He's good. David was not afraid. Why? Because he trusted God. He trusted God to deliver him in any situation that he confronted. And we can find this also in Samuel uh, 17 from 4 to 11. When he had the occasion to be sent by Jesse, his father, to take food to his three older brothers. You know, those big guys, those strong guys, handsome guys that Samuel turned down because God told him that's not the one. They were out there in battle against the Philistines. And there was this big guy. I don't know if you know him. His name is Goliath. So he was huge, tall big, strong, had all this armament, a warrior for many years uh, from the Philistine, and he's out there challenging the men of Israel. And David's hearing the challenge and looking around and like, why isn't anybody going out there to fight him? Like, oh, not me. How can he defy our God? Hear what he's saying? It's defying our God. Why isn't anybody courageous enough to go out there? They say, well, if there's a courageous man among them, the king is going to give you his daughter. He's going to make sure that your family is well taken care of if you just choose to go fight. Really? I'm not in it for that, but I'm in it to defend my God's name. I'm willing to stand up for my God because he's always standing up for me. So they took him to Saul. Saul said, well, you're going to go fight him? Yeah, I'll fight him. He said, well, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to give you my armament. They put the armament on David. Now, this armament was meant for Saul, who was taller and bigger and stronger. And David tried to move around. And he's like, I can't, I can't do this with this armament. Take this thing off of me. So he went out to the field, grabbed five little rocks, took out his sling that he used as a shepherd to protect the sheep to uh, make sure that the bears would go away. And he walks out there. Goliath looking down at him, I can imagine, he's like, who's this kid? What's he doing here? It's like, am I a dog that you sent this little young man to confront me? I can see David looking at him, swinging the little sling, walking back and forth, letting him talk. He said, oh, today I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut your head off and feed you to the birds and the animals of the field. David's like, you think you're battling me? <laughs> you know I come in the name of the Lord. And today my Lord is going to give you the victory over you. And you are going to be the one that falls. And your head I will hold in my hand. And I can see David. Goliath probably like, you crazy little boy. It's like, come on then, fight me. David said, in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Lord, guide this rock. 
guide this rock in the name of the Lord. I slings the rock. Holy Spirit takes the rock and it penetrates the only place that Goliath was not protected. Right here in the forehead. And I can imagine that rock hitting. And Goliath's like, oh, oh. Boom. Falling down. The guy that was next to him holding the shield was like, oh, no. The big guy's down. <laughs> I'm out of here. Starts to run. David goes, takes his own sword because he didn't have a sword. He took Goliath's sword and cut his head. And the army of Israel saw what God did through David and through his faith. And they gained energy. They gained encouragement. And they like, oh yeah, let's go. They chased the entire Philistine army and defeated them. Why? Because one young man, one young man trusted God to give him the victory that he promised him. To defend him like he defended him in the fields. So, young people, understand this. God can use you in a mighty way if you allow him to do it. You are capable of doing whatever God instructs you to do. Understand that God is with you. God will give you the strength to overcome. And for the sake of time, we're going to hit the third point that I wanted to bring to your attention. David was not perfect. How do we know this? Because he, he was a man that recognized his weaknesses and he acknowledged his mistakes. We have to recognize our weaknesses. We have to acknowledge our mistakes and repent for them. Second Samuel chapter 11, it's a story about David. His army was out in battle. David stayed behind. He was on top of his roof, on his kingdom, looking down everywhere. And because he was looking down, there was a female that was bathing. And he looked, oh, who's that? Hmm, it's very attractive. Hey, do me a favor. Go down there. Go get that one. Bring her up to me. Because his eyes lust for something that was beautiful. She came. She laid with him. She conceived. She told him, I'm pregnant. It's like, oh, but you're married. <laughs> yeah, my husband's in battle right now fighting for you. Oh, how are we going to do this? Well, because I sinned, now I got to figure out how I'm going to get out this sin. I didn't repent, but uh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have him come back. I'm going to get him drunk. He's going to lay with his wife. He's going to think that's his child. That's how we're going to do it. So he brings him from the battlefield. He gets him drunk. And he orders him to go, go be with your wife. But this man was a dedicated soldier. And soldiers at that time were like, I'm not going to lay down and be in the comfort of my home while my fellow soldiers are in battle right now. I should be out there fighting. So he laid at the gate of the, of the king and didn't go. So David's like, oh, he didn't go. So now what can I do? So he wrote a letter and he sealed it with the king's seal and he sent it to the general. And guess who delivered the, the letter? The man whose wife he had laid with. And he ordered the, the, the general to put him at the front of the line 
and the heaviest fought area of this battle so that he may die. That's what happened. This gallant servant soldier was put in the center of the, of the battlefield where the best soldiers of the other army were. He fought diligently, but he lost his life. Upon losing his life, David took Bathsheba, was her name, as his wife. She had the baby. But because he sinned, just remember, sin has consequences. There's always consequences to your sin. God will forgive you, but there will always be consequences to your sin. So when she had this child with David, his first child with Bathsheba, he got sick. The baby got sick. The boy got sick. And David cried to God, and David, you know, he was his presence and asking God to heal him. And then God sends his prophet Nathaniel to tell him a story. He tells him the story about how this man took this thing from this other uh, man and, you know, and he had many, but then he just wanted that one thing that that poor guy had. And what should he do? And David said, oh, yeah, that, that he should be punished. He, he, should, he should be, everything should be taken away from him. Yeah. And Nathaniel said, yeah, that's you. David realized that God was speaking to him, that Nathaniel knew of his sin that he was trying to hide. What did he do? He started to repent. He asked God for forgiveness. He didn't dwell on the sin. He didn't say, oh, Nathaniel, you're wrong. You know, no, he didn't fight it. He recognized it. He recognized his weakness. He acknowledged his sin, and he repented from it. And it says that while repenting from the sin, and Nathaniel told him, you know, God's going to take your child from you, he cried and cried and cried. He didn't eat. Until the moment that his servants came in and said, they didn't even want to tell him, David, your son's dead. They're all like, no, you tell him. No, I'm not going to tell him. You go tell him. No, I'm not going to tell him. And David realized that his son had passed. He says, my son has passed. They said, yes. He says, okay. Went, got clean, ate, and went into the temple to pray to God and thank God. He recognized his sin. He recognized there were consequences. He lost his son. But he realized that it wasn't God's fault. He didn't blame God. He blamed himself because he allowed sin to creep in. So as Christians, we got to be mindful of our weaknesses, try to avoid them. But if we do fall into sin, always know that God is there to forgive you if you ask for forgiveness. But there are always going to be some consequences from that sin. You've got to be able to accept those things. What came out of that? Second son of Bathsheba, you know who he was? Solomon, one of the greatest kings, one of the greatest kings of Israel. Wise, powerful, everyone wanted to be around him. So to conclude, if you want to be like David, the hero, you don't have to be perfect. It's got to be humble. Have reverence for God. Be devoted to God. Be obedient to God. 
love God with a passion that is overwhelming. It's like a joy that no one else can express. Serve God with everything that you got. Be obedient. And allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in everything that you do. When times of despair, when challenging situations arise, don't be like the men of Israel that backed up and were scared. Be like David and say, in the name of my Lord, I come against you. For he will give me the victory. It's not I that stand in front of you, but he stands in front of you, and he will give me the victory. He is the one that will supply your needs. Start slinging that rock and calling the name of the Lord, and the victory shall be yours, no matter what the situation may be. Thank you again for listening to our series, From Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. If you want to listen to the previous messages in this series, or if you want to hear messages from other series, visit Commitment Church on YouTube or Pastor Cedric Brown on Spotify, Pandora, or other podcast providers. You can also visit us on our website, commitmentchurch.org. And if you live in the Philadelphia, Delaware, or South Jersey area, we would love to see you in person as well. You can attend any of our services by visiting us at 2 Berlin Road South, Lindenwald, New Jersey, 08021. Thank you again for listening, and have a blessed and wonderful day.